Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. If you got a Bible, won't you meet me in Mark chapter 1? Mark chapter 1, verses 12 through 13. Mark chapter 1, 12 through 13. If you got it, go ahead and write got it in the chat. If you are in a watch party, go ahead and say got it out loud. And if you are, wherever you are, I want you to just stand on your feet as we read the word of God together. Mark chapter 1, verse uh, 12 and 13. Here now the reading of God's word. It says, the spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. Very words of God. Amen. Today I want to preach on turning down the noise. Turning down the noise. Let's pray. Father, before we go any further today, God, I I do just ask that you would speak with my mouth and you would think with my mind that the words of my mouth be the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight oh lord jesus you are my rock and my redeemer get glory in this place in jesus name we all said together amen amen family as a nation and culture if we're honest, we lead some very noisy lives. And, and, and when I say noisy lives, I'm, I'm not really just talking about sounds. I, I'm talking about the noise that you hear within your mind, the clamoring of noises in your head, the clamoring of noises in your hearts, the different responsibilities that you feel, all of the different priorities that go through your brain, all of that which you feel, and not to mention the dopamine effect when you get when you pick up your phone as we walk around with it all the day. See, I mean, sadly, boredom is is a lost thing. Y'all remember that back in the 90s? Boredom, it doesn't really exist anymore. You you remember back in the 90s when you you had to like, you couldn't just pick up a cell phone anywhere you were. You If you were out and about, you had to find a pay phone. Y'all remember that? You had to find a pay phone and you had to drive around or you had to walk around to find a pay phone and you had to wait to use the phone. And if you didn't have any money, you had to ask somebody for some money. And then if you called somebody or if somebody called you and they didn't get you, they had to leave a message. Y'all remember that? They had to leave a message, which meant that they might get a call back in a day or two. There wasn't there wasn't a text message. We had to wait. Or if you're waiting in line at a grocery store. Some of y'all get ticked off by this, but you you literally had to wait in line at a grocery store. You couldn't just pull out your phone and just start social, going through social media and being a Twitter thug, all of that stuff. You, you couldn't do none of that. You had to sit there and wait in line and be bored or possibly even talk to somebody else around you. All the introverts hated this, but you had to sit there and wait in line. If you read the statistics, it says that 77% of young adults right now, when they're bored, they just pull out their phones. Pull out their phones and start going through social media, start going through something. 
to fill the space, to fill the time. So hear me, what, what I'm really getting at is that we don't even have place to just sit with ourselves in quiet and collect our thoughts anymore. Unless we're sitting on the toilet or in the shower. Y'all go with me on that one. Some of y'all know exactly what I mean. This, this has all eaten away at, at the, the fabric of what silence and solitude looks like or, or this need to pull away from the noise and distractions of our lives. And now we don't actually know how to sit and be fully present with God and with people. We don't know how to just be. We don't know how to just sit because for many of us, the, the getaway, to get away from everything is Netflix. It, it's social media. It's, it's our phones. It's another task or it's, it's something else to occupy our brains when in actuality, that's not a break. You're, you're really just occupying your brain more. You're making your brain process more, which inevitably lets, makes us more tired and more restless. So to help with this, I got two points today and I'm out your way. Number one, it really questions, what is true silence? What is silence? And number two, what is solitude? What is silence and what is solitude? As we get in this text, you see in verse 12, where we're told Jesus is led immediately by the spirit, the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. Now, Mark, in this book, he uses this word immediately 41 times, which means that there, it's, there, it marks this urgency. It, it marks this, this sense of importance. So in essence, when he says he immediately went into the wilderness, he's saying that it's very important and it was urgent that Jesus had to go into the wilderness. Stay with me. I promise I'm coming to your neighborhood. Now, the interesting thing to note, and, and I think many of us, we skip over this when we're reading this passage because we get so caught up in the temptation of Jesus here in the wilderness that we miss the point. Follow me with this. Jesus was not led into the wilderness to be tempted, but he was led into the wilderness to be ministered and to be filled up by the Holy Spirit. Now, now, how do we don't know this? Now, when you're reading the Bible, hear me, because God is not the one who causes temptation. I know I'm shaking somebody's paradigm. God is not the one that, that causes temptation or us to sin. James 1 tells us this. It starts with our desires and Satan, he, he's the tempter. He's the great tempter, not God. Now, God may allow him to tempt us, which we see in this passage. And, and hear me with this because I know somebody's mind is going there. It's another sermon for another day, but I got to help you with this because somebody's asking, well, what do I do when I, I come up against temptation? How do I fight temptation? Hear me. The only weapon that we possess, the only weapon we have is prayer and the word of God. That's how we fight off temptation. And you see Jesus modeling it right here in Mark chapter one. And if you read this in another passage in Matthew chapter four or other gospels, you'll see it more in depth of how Jesus is fighting off Satan by using the word of God when he's tempted. We cannot fight the wiles and the ways of Satan by ourselves in our own strength. He is simply more powerful than us. We can only fight him by being in the word of God, being prayed up, and then using the same word of God to fight against Satan. Which brings me back to this passage, because in order to do that, you have to be able to spend time with God first. You got to know him first. So when you get back to this passage, you see Jesus right away after he's baptized, he does not hit the streets to start doing ministry. 
No, no, no. He doesn't disciple anyone. But instead, the text says that he's led away into the wilderness or desert or some trans, as some translations say, and, and, and not for one day, not for two days, for 40 days. Spend time with God in silence and solitude. Now, this word wilderness in its original language, Greek, it's pronounced eremos, eremos, and, and it translates in many different meanings. Listen to this. It, it, it translates into desert, to desolate place, or to solitary place, or quiet place, lonely place. You, you get the gist of where I'm going with this definition. The, the point is that Jesus was alone in silence and solitude. He wasn't constantly being tempted by Satan the whole time he's out in the wilderness. But verse 13 tells us that he was with the wild animals and the angels were ministering to him. And family, again, I, I think we can miss the importance here because we have always translated this text as Jesus was at his weakest moment. And, and here's Satan walking in and he's tempting him. Hear me, the, the wilderness is actually a place of strength. He doesn't fall or sin in the wilderness. We see him victorious and, and getting some good time with his father, God, and the angels. See, too many times we, we interpret solitude or as a bad thing. Oh, oh, I'm home alone or I'm single or I, I, I'm, I'm bored. So when I get bored, I just pick up my phone and, or, or I get this dopamine hit. I need, I need to just be, be needed. I need to be in the moment. I need to be there. We got this, this FOMO syndrome, fear of missing out. That's a lot of us right now. And so, but, but, but hear me, what, what if I was to tell you? What if I was to tell you that it's in those places that you can find the most strength and fulfillment? The problem is, hear me though, we live in America. And namely Chicago, where our, our Christianity and the pace of life has has this defined, has been defined by our society. It's been defined by culture versus modeling after Jesus. I know I'm in someone's kitchen right now. Hear me, Jesus never allowed culture or society to drive him. Instead, he was the one always driving society and culture. Some of us would call it counterculture. I would just say that it's simply him loving God first. He, he let his relationship with his father define everything else instead of vice versa. Too many times the Christian is something first before just following God. And what I mean is that your life is driven by something other than God loving you and you loving him. For some of us, we're, we're a lawyer first and, and we're Christian second. Some of us, we're student first and we're Christian second. Some of us, it's our race or our politics before our Christianity. What if, what if just ponder this for a moment, what if what we did and who we are was driven by God? What if what we did and who we actually are was driven by God? I don't want you to ponder that question. Friends, in order for that to be true, two things have to be true of us. Number one, we have to believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior. And number two, we have to walk by faith, striving to live our lives as he did, which is best done by practicing the spiritual disciplines. In this passage, you notice 
one of the first things Jesus does is not ministry again, but instead he gets in this place where he can practice and model the spiritual discipline of being with God. And, and I would argue that according to what we see in the passage, this is best done in silence and solitude. We see Jesus pull away in this text, not once, but twice, right here in the text that we read. But then if you keep reading down to verse 35, he pulls away again and the disciples, they're searching everywhere, trying to find Jesus. They can't find him because he's pulled away. Hear me, family. This world is full of noise. It's full of noise and distractions. And in order to find peace and restoration, pulling away from it all and the noise is needed. See, the question we have to answer is, how are we pulling away? How are we pulling away? What's that look like? Is it actually restoring you or creating more angst, more worry and anxiety in your heart? Is your pulling away fueling you? Friends, escapes are not necessarily bad things. They're, they're, they're good things. And all of them have destinations, but we have to escape to the right destination. Now, what do I mean by this? Some of us have done this before. You've gone on a vacation. Many of us have been, been here before. You've gone on a vacation before, and you, you find yourself chilling on the vacation, but the reality is once you get back, you're more anxious, you're more worried, you're more tired than you were before you went on the vacation because you went on the vacation, but you really weren't refueled by your vacation. It didn't touch the depth of your soul. Y'all ever been there before? You come back and you're like, man, why am I so tired? I, I, I just got away. I thought I, I thought I was escaping. And hear me, hear me. We need to live a life not full of escapes, but we need to live a life full of silence and solitude. Which causes us to ask the question, well, what is true silence? Walk with me now. When we think of silence, there, there's two, there are really two different dimensions to it. It's an, it is external and it's internal because noise is both external and internal. The external silence, is, it's pretty simple. It, it's self-explanatory. It's like it, it's turning off your TVs. It's turning off your phone. It's turning off the outside noise. It's becoming an introvert. For once in your life, if you were an extrovert, it's cutting it all off. And but for the internal, it's a bit tougher. And, and, and many times we overlook the internal noise. And sometimes, if not most of the time, we medicate our internal noises by turning up the external noises. We turn up those external voices around us, which inevitably doesn't fix what's going on inside of us. It actually makes it worse. I mean, it's kind of like cutting yourself in order to fix a gaping wound on another part of your body. That makes no sense. You're going to cut yourself when you're already wounded someplace else. But that's kind of like what we're doing when we turn up the external noise to get rid of the internal noise. You're just increasing and making the problem much worse. But see, therein lies the real problem, because many times we don't want to deal with the internal noise and the internal voices in our minds and within our hearts, which now causes this great chasm between us and God, because our internal noise is so loud that we cannot hear the voice of God. This in turn leaves us always wanting more from God. Never content 
Or even worse, we begin to listen to voices or seek affirmation from other places. John Mark Comer, the writer of The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, a book that we've been continually referencing. If you haven't got it, let me know. We, we want to get that in your hands. Make sure you get that book. It's an amazing book. He writes these words. He says, the, the noise of the modern world makes us deaf to the voice of God, drowning out the one input we most need. Let me say that again. The noise of the modern world makes us deaf to the voice of God, drowning out the one input we most need. Family, don't miss this. Silence is cutting off the noise, both external and internal. It's cutting those off so you're able to get to a place where you can actually hear what's going on within your soul. It's, it's learning how to sit still and do nothing so that you can hear from a very practical level your own breathing. It's just quiet, silence. No talking, no phones, no TVs, no drinks, just quiet. Let me ask you, what are the noises of the voices in your life that you're listening to that are clouding up the voice of the one that you really need to be hearing? What, what is that noise for you? Is it your own voice? Is it somebody else's voice? Is it sex or work or social media, politics, your phone, children, expectations? What's keeping you from silence or, or what are you running from that's within you that you keep drowning out with all this external noise? Hear me, Jesus spent time with people, but he also spent time in silence. Silence is time alone and the quiet with yourself and God. Again, you want to be able to hear your own soul and hear God. It's in silence that we're able to see what's buried deep within us. And it become, it begins to come to the surface, which again is where we, we don't really want to bother with the, the deep things within us and who we actually are. We try to avoid it. But hear me, it's in that place that we actually can experience freedom. You know why? Because it's in that place that you now can actually see yourself for who you truly are. You can begin to acknowledge who you really are. And now by doing so, you're now breaking those chains off of you, the hidden internal noises that held you bound and had power over you. You're breaking loose by acknowledging these things. And watch this. Now that you've acknowledged them, you can now hand them over to God and say, here are the things within me. Here's my mess, God. Here I am. And now you can experience the love and the joy and the grace of a wonderful, amazing, good, good father and how he loves you. Running from the noise. Let's turn it down. It's silent. Acknowledge it. And I, I don't know, somebody's stuck because they're saying, well, why do I need to hand over all of this to God? Hear me, hear me clearly. You cannot cut off the internal noise by yourself. That is a lie. You cannot do that. 
We have to make a practice of quieting our outside noise and getting to a place of seeing what's really going on within us and then giving it to God, giving it over to someone who is greater than us, that's more powerful, replacing the internal noise and the voices that we hear by reading more scripture and praying through the scripture, hearing and seeing the words of God. See, if we're honest, many of us, that has not been done in our lives before. It's not being done right now, especially in a pandemic. We're more tired than we ever have been in our lives. We're more worked up than we ever have been. Some of us are outraged and we're upset all the time because we don't have a place of silence and solitude. Some of us are like ticking time bombs, especially right now in the midst of this election. Walking around like, man, man, if somebody tells me that they're voting for Donald Trump, we're going to have a problem. Or or, or if somebody tells me again that Joe Biden is a great dude, we're going to fight. And and, and the reality is that we never settle down to ask the question, why? Why are we so worked up within our souls over this election? Why, Why are we so upset when somebody says something that we don't like? And friends, don't hear me saying that you you shouldn't get worked up by something that's said. No, no, I was pretty upset and I was hurt when when President Trump said, stand back, stand by to the white supremacist group instead of condemning them as a black man. That hurt. I didn't like it. But hear me, what I'm really trying to get at, I don't want you to miss this, is that if Jesus is truly your king, then there is no earthly ruler that should have that much power over you to where you are physically and emotionally bent out of shape all the time. Something is off. And I'd make an argument that it's because we haven't spent enough time in silence before God. Now, I'm a pastor, and I'm not going to pretend to be an expert at this at all. I'm still working on it, too. But there are a couple of things that I will share with you that I do in my life on a day-to-day basis to, to try to practice this space of being silent before God. And one thing I do is every morning I wake up early in the morning before my kids, sometimes 5 o'clock or even before, before my kids get up in the morning, and I just sit with God. I got my Bible and a glass of water. I can't, some of y'all do the coffee first thing in the morning. My guts don't work that way. Sorry if I just shared too much information with you, but I got my Bible and my glass of water in the morning, and I just sit in the quiet with God. I get this quiet moment, and I sit there for at least 30 minutes, sometimes an hour. I'm sitting there with God, and I'm I'm usually spending time reading through the Psalms, reading them slowly through and then I'm, I'm confessing my own heart and what's going on there. And I, I'm spending time in the Psalms. There's no phone. I, I, I usually plug my phone in another room just so I'm not tempted by picking it up and, and get an old alarm clock or something so I can wake up in the morning. But it's just me and God and my Bible. And just spend time with him right there. That's how I start every morning. The other thing I do is uh, on my way home from work, this is pretty simple. One of my mentors told me how to do this. And on the way home from work, you know, you you might have a pretty demanding job like I do on the way home from work. It's not while driving, but when I pull up to my house, whether I'm in the garage or in the driveway, I'll just sit there. I'll turn the engine off. I'll turn all the music off. And and I'll just sit there in the quiet. I'll I'll close my eyes and, and I'll just start 
praying. I'll just say what's on my heart, what's on my mind. I'm trying to empty out every thought that's there. And, and, and I end with, God, please help me transition from pastoring and loving all these other people to now as I walk in this house to be a loving father for my kids and a loving husband for my wife. Those are a few things that, that I do. When I'm sitting in that car, I just, just have to hear myself breathe. I just talk to God. Those are two things that I do, and you feel free to steal them. They didn't, they didn't originate with me. Whatever works, family, I want you to try to make a practice of being silent and being real about where you are within your heart, where you are with those internal noises and internal voices that are inside of you. Some of us hear me, we may need some counseling in this area. And there's nothing wrong with counseling. There's actually strength in counsel. We need that. I've done it for years myself. It's good to actually talk about what's going on within your heart because sometimes you can't get to the root of it. You don't know how to get there. You're so deep within it. The voices are so loud. You need some help. And that's okay. There's strength in that. But I know someone's still saying, you're, you're stuck, and you're saying, Pastor D, I, I feel what you're saying, but I, I, I still don't have these silent places. I, I don't believe I have any silent places in my life. See, this is where I believe the practice of solitude comes into play. Sometimes, if not most of the time, you cannot have true silence without solitude. So what is solitude? Solitude, you, you've already heard me say it. Solitude is, is when you're alone with God and your own soul. This is not to be confused with isolation. Uh, John Mark Comer, he writes it and he, he, he puts the two, contrast isolation versus actual solitude. Uh, listen to what he says. I, I love these statements. He says, solitude is engagement. Isolation is escape. Solitude is safety. Isolation is danger. Solitude is how you open yourself up to God. Isolation is painting a target on your back for the tempter. Solitude is when you set aside time to feed and water and nourish your soul, to let it grow into health and maturity. Isolation is what you crave when you neglect the former. Friends, hear me. There's a beautiful, vast difference between solitude and isolation. And for the person I know that may be thinking this right now, but wait a second, solitude, won't I be by myself? Won't I, won't I be alone? I, I can't be my, by myself. Hear me, uh, Richard Foster, he, he says it this way in, in the celebration of discipline. He says, loneliness is an inner emptiness. Solitude is inner fulfillment. Family, when we're in a place of silence and solitude, we're not by ourselves, as you can see with Jesus here in this passage, but instead you're with God and your own soul. One thing I try to do every year, and I've shared this with some of you, y'all, if, if you've been at the church before, you know this. Um, every July, I, I take July off. I take time to rest and pray and seek God for our church to gain vision for myself, vision for my church. And, and, and one of the things I do is I go away to a lake house or I try to find a remote 
area at where where my phone really doesn't work there's no internet i can't really be reached i try to cut off all of that external noise again and 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 i found that one of the things that that that's really it's been something fueling to my soul and sobering is that when i look out into nature when i'm able to hear the birds or i see the the the, the i hear the actual the wind or or see the water in front of me everything is quiet and i i'm by myself maybe my wife i found that in those places i can have my best times with god my phone's off there's no internet no cable you can wake up slow in the morning, spend time with God, grab you a good breakfast and some coffee and just look out. Then you end the night, you know, with like Pastor Steve said, with some fermented grapes, you know, and, uh, and just a good meal. No agenda at all. These are moments where, where my soul is refreshed and I'm, I'm able to hear the direction of God. Now hear me, don't, don't, don't miss this because I, I don't want you to miss what I'm going with this. Now when I go away, it's not to retreat from the world. Follow me with this. It's not to retreat from the world, but instead it's for me to be able to get clarity on what I'm doing right now and, and how I'm leading in the world. What has God called me to do? So in actuality, I'm retreating so that I can be of use of God in the world. There's a big difference between the two. I believe that this is exactly what Jesus is doing right here in this passage. He's getting a way to get time with himself, his soul, and with God to be able to come back and now minister in a waiting and watching world, which is exactly what you see as you keep reading in this passage. He comes back and he's ministering and disciples are made and then he pulls away again at the end. But See, I think we miss why we pull away and why we're retreating, family. Hear me, silence and solitude isn't some type of Zen moment where you just get away for you and your well-being. No, not as a Christian. Not as a Christian because this world is not our home. So for you to just get away and to relax, you're now belittling the spiritual discipline of silence and solitude. In essence, silence and solitude is really time for you as a believer to be fueled, to be refueled, to walk through this world. So watch this. When, it, when it's done right, what happens is that when you come out of silence and solitude, when it's done well, we should be full. Our cup should now be overflowing with compassion for those that are missing the hope that we have as believers in King Jesus. Dutch, prophet, Dutch professor Henry Nowen, he says that this way, he says, compassion is the fruit of solitude. I like that. He says, compassion is the fruit of solitude. So hear me again. Silence and solitude is not just for our own well-being, but it is so others can also see God. Now, as we end, if you've not been making this a practice, which I, I probably would argue that most of us have been lacking in this area, especially in a pandemic, we've probably done the opposite. <laughs> we've probably done the ex opposite, especially with the election coming Tuesday. Noise is at an all time high 
in our lives and some of us are watching online right now and you're in the kitchen you're cooking you're cleaning you're talking to the people around you all the while i've been preaching no judgment i'm just being real that silence and solitude has not been priority it has not been a norm so if this is true which again i think it's true to an extent for all of us then hear me you're not going to be great at this right off the back we're probably going to be pretty horrible and that's okay someone once said start where you are not where you should be someone needs to hear that start where you are not where you should be please don't beat yourself up about not being where you think you should be right now in your life you'll, you'll miss the moment You'll miss the amazing grace of God. There is grace. Just start. Start someplace. If you got five minutes in the morning and that's all you have, then start there in the morning. Get your devotional. Get you and God and your Bible and just sit there for five minutes and read through the psalm. Start in Psalm 1 and just hear the voice of God. Read the voice of God. Read the words of God. Take your Bible and sit there. And as you do this over and over again, you can watch your spiritual appetite increase. Don't try to be a monk in a monastery where you spend all day in silence if you, have, if you don't have a five-minute devotional time. It doesn't make any sense. Don't do that to yourself. Start where you are. Some of us, you may need an object or some type of picture to really zone in on to, 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 to help alleviate some of the pressures of the world and some of the noises within your own heart. Maybe there's a picture or some object that you can meditate on that'll help you get to this place where you're quiet and your soul is now quiet to where you can really hear the voice of God and spend time in, in that quietness and the silence there. Hear me, if you're, if you're trying to have a place of solitude and you can't get to a lake house, or you don't have to do that. Maybe you don't have the money for it or maybe you're saying, well, look, COVID's hit and I don't know necessarily know if I want to drive all the way to a lake house or something. Look, go, go, just, just go to a remote area right outside Chicago if you can. Or if you can't do that, then walk down the street to the park by yourself for some silence and solitude. Friends, there are so many different ways to practice this. Find what works for you. This is a spiritual discipline, which we have to remember. It's a practice. A spiritual discipline is something that we practice, which means we must intentionally input it in our lives in order to see God. Many of us, we're missing the moments with God right now because of the noise in our lives. We're missing opportunities for ourselves individually, and we're missing opportunities for us to be used by God. And again, most of all, we're missing him. Family, let's make a practice of putting silence and solitude in our lives. And let's not miss a moment with God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for modeling what silence and solitude looks like. The need to pull away over and over again. Not for just rest, but to get with you. God, I pray that you would help us in those moments. And as many of us go and we start practicing the spiritual discipline of silence and solitude, I pray that you would avail yourself in those moments with us. That we'd see more of you and fall deeper in love with you, God. 
deeper in love with you, Jesus, and what you've done for us. Right now, if there's someone saying, that's me, and I'm giving my life to them, giving my life to the Lord right now, I want to start. God, I pray that they, they start today. They start with you and say, here I am. This is me. I have much to offer. This is just me. God, that you would make your own within their heart, God. Let us know that there's grace in this space. Thank you for being a loving and gracious father. We love you. It's in the mighty name of Jesus that we all said together. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 930 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.